just pray. Father God, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for this opportunity. Father God, I don't take this lightly and make myself available to you for whatever you want to say this morning. Father God, thank you for this Bible that you've given us, which is God-breathed. You breathed it, and it is so good for us, for our help, encouragement, instruction, and to equip us. So, Father God, we pray this morning that you would open our eyes to see what is in there, that you would open our ears to hear how you are applying it to us this morning, and you'd open our hearts that they would be willing for that transformation. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, I'm in the wrong bit of the Bible. That won't help, will it? Right. Um, All scripture is God-breathed and helpful, but let's try and stick to the topic. Um, (laughs) Okay. So, uh, I think the one before, uh, or the one after, Naomi, maybe. Uh, No, actually, no, that's right. It's fine. So, this morning, um, we are continuing our overall big topic of um, next picture... Is it Naomi out there? I don't know who I'm talking to. Who's out there? It's Naomi. The next picture. There we go. We're being the body of Christ. We're talking this term about being the body of Christ together as one church that he, who he is drawing together and building into a glorious and wonderful thing under the head that is Jesus. Um, and so flipping back to the first one, um, our topic today is one of these key passages um, about this being the body, which is Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 14. And it it's often called the fivefold ministry because there's a key verse um, about the different ministries he's called people to to equip us. And that was the uh, little survey test online thing that Dawn was referring to. Um, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but uh, raise a very small hand if you've had a go of that online and you've had a little go. Right, okay, well, that would be really interesting to see later. So there's a website that we've been looking at this week, some of us, to help us, which is called fivefoldministry.com. And on it, it does have a little, we all love a quiz, don't we? It's a bit like, you know, back in the day in like, I don't know, what magazine was it? Just 17, uh, where you could find out what sort of friend you were or whatever. It's a bit like that. There's a quiz on there and you can have a look. Um, But it is a useful tool perhaps to help us have a think about what our ministry might be. But the key passage it comes from is in Ephesians, in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Um, And we're going to look at that today. And really, we're going to just go through it bit by bit, sort of chronologically more or less. Um, So... Hence, you've got Bibles so that you can um, stick with it if you want to look something for yourself. But it's also going to be on the screen. I'm sorry it's a bit small. I thought I'd done it big enough. Um, Forgive me. Um, So let's just start by reading it through. Uh, I've got the NIV version. I'm not sure what our church Bibles are. But again, forgive me if that's slightly different. Okay, so this is Paul writing. And he says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. 
What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each part. Okay. So, we're literally just going to go through it, I think, because there's so much in there, and um, we won't be able to cover all of it, but we'll, we'll do what we can. So, verse 1, if we can flip back to the first um, page of the passage, Naomi, that would be brilliant. So, verse 1. Paul and God through Paul is urging us to live a life worthy of our calling, not to squander what we've been graciously given. It's been won, hasn't it, at a very high cost. We know that if we know the gospel. Um, And we're not to squander that. We're to live a life worthy of the calling that he's placed on our lives. Whatever we are, if we've done our little online quiz, um, it's not to our credit as if we made ourselves. We didn't make us who we are. Dawn didn't make herself a prophet. God did. And he's done that in her. And if he's done that in her, what a tragedy and, dare I say, ungrateful, (laughs) ingratitude, if she squanders that and doesn't live in that calling. Same for all of us. I've been thinking about squandering a bit this week. It's a little bit daunting, to be honest, because you have to look at yourself too, don't you? And I was thinking if we could see as God sees, if we could see every individual as God does and every individual's every hour as he does, how much squandering of hours on Facebook or talents, squandering of talents, squandering of gifts through indecision or distraction or lack of confidence or lack of knowledge, how much squandering would we see if we could see as God sees? And how does that make him feel? It's a little bit daunting to think about. Verse 2, Paul encourages us to love and forgive. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Gosh, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? Bearing with one another, but being loving and forgiving in order to do something, in order to keep the unity Jesus said, didn't he, that we would be known by our love for one another. He said that would characterize us. God, it says in the Bible, is love. He is it completely. He is the best and total form of it that we could possibly imagine. Um, And if we're God's family and God's people, we have to characterize that in our attitudes and in our actions and our behavior. And if we don't, if our attitudes and behavior isn't characterized by love, we have to look at that, don't we, and question that. Because God is love and he lives in us if we know him and have accepted him. Um, Obviously, it doesn't always characterize us. We all get things wrong and wonderfully, we can come for forgiveness. But we do have to question that, don't we? We do have to look at that in our lives. 
So Paul is urging us to live a life worthy of that calling, to be loving like God, to be forgiving like God, to retain the unity that God wants in order to um, bring us fully as one body to become the body that, that he wants us to be, gloriously reflecting Christ. But in our oneness, all this oneness, there's one spirit, one body, uh, one hope, one baptism, one Lord, one God, which is in contrast to a lot of the other religions at the time who were worshipping lots of gods. So it was important for him to say that to the church at Ephesus. But in contrast to that oneness, there is a but in verse 7. But within that oneness, within that unity that we want to strive for, there is an amount of distinction and there's meant to be. There is an amount of distinction in our oneness that is purposeful, that is grace-given. It says, as Christ apportioned it in my translation. So Jesus has deliberately instigated this amount of distinction between us within our unity for a purpose. He has deliberately called some to be apostles, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, some to be evangelists, um, and so on. I've probably missed one on the list there, but that's that, that key verse that we're looking at. So we are one, and we are unified by our love and our bearing with one another and all of that, but we're not meant to all be the same. And that's really what we're looking at all term, isn't it? We're not meant to be all the same. We are deliberately and purposefully designed to be different and to minister differently in the body of Christ. It's, the body of Christ is designed purposefully to function through a variety of elements which are all needed for that purpose of preparing all of us for the works that God has for us to do, to encourage us in our knowledge of Jesus and reach our full potential individually, but also as a whole, which is ultimately God's goal, to display the fullness of Christ in us as the body. And that whole fullness of Christ, which is barely comprehensible, well, isn't comprehensible to us, can only be displayed gloriously through the church when everybody is bringing their part of it. So we should be one in purpose, but not in our function. That's what Paul seems to be saying. So overall, we are one, but within that, we have different functions. And that's what we're looking at in these five ministries um, in that verse. Um, What is the number of that verse? Um, it is verse 11. So that's, that's that that we're looking at, that distinction. And God's purpose on the earth isn't complete until Christ is fully shown, i.e. every element of his nature and glory. And that can't be fully shown, perhaps, until all the works that are referenced here, the works that God has prepared in advance for us to do, as it says elsewhere in Ephesians, until all of those are done and every person is a part of the body who was intended to be a part of the body because they bring that other little bit of Christ, that image of Christ in them that is another element because none of us can possibly reflect all of him. Only he did that. So for us to do this, God knew that we needed help because he's good like that. He foreknew this, and so he has provided. Hence, he gave some to be apostles, some to be teachers, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists. He gave us, within ourselves, all that we need. Firstly, he demonstrated it completely in himself, in Jesus, and then he gave it through his Spirit in us to provide for the church's needs, for the church to be able to be his body and reflect him fully. Um, interestingly, I looked up uh, ministry in a dictionary, 
online dictionary. And it said the definition of ministry was to do with being, one of the definitions, was to do with it, um, potentially being an agent or instrument um, or means uh, of something, of delivering something. Um, and so as ministers in these ministries that we're talking about this morning, it's a bit of a fancy Christian word really, but we are just being agents of who God is. And we're each reflecting or ministering in a way that is reflective of Jesus. Therefore, if we don't operate like that, if he's given these things, he's given some to be teachers, some to be pastors, some to be all the things we need. If we don't do that individually, if one of us doesn't do that, if one of us doesn't operate in the way that he's called us to operate, actually, ridiculously, that impacts the whole body. And that's, again, what we're looking at really over the whole term. But each one of us has this part to play. And if we don't play it ridiculously, that impacts the whole body. Not that God kind of needs us exactly. He's all-powerful. He's sovereign. He can do everything on his own without us. But somehow, gloriously, in a way we don't understand, he has made it that it matters if we don't live in the calling, in the life that he's called us to. He set it up that way, deliberately, because he graciously allows us to be a part of this thing. Um, Not that he can be thwarted. His purposes can be thwarted if we fail to do what we're called to do or we fail to live in our role because he can't be because he's God and his purposes always work out. He will still do that. But somehow, in a way that doesn't quite tie up with that because our minds can't comprehend it, it does still matter. It does still impact the body. Perhaps it delays. Who knows? I'm not sure how God is doing that, but, but it is clear in his word, throughout his word, that it matters if we don't live in these callings. It matters to ourselves and it matters to the whole body. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not sure myself, um, the translations differ, but in this verse 11 where it says he's called some, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, I'm not totally sure <coughs> whether this verse implies that um, each of us is called to be one of those things. Some translations differ and it's not completely clear, but certainly it says that for all of our good... He has called some to each of those roles so that all of us, and that is clear, can be equipped for all of the works of service that he has prepared in advance for us to do, which is Ephesians 2 verse 10, earlier in the same letter. So um, regardless of which way you want to swing with what you think about that, whether it's all of us are one of these things or whether some people amongst us are each of these things for all of our good, either way, we're all included in that because it's to prepare all of us to do what we're being called to do. And we're certainly all called to do things um, in the body to reflect Jesus. So since we don't want to kind of squander then what we've been given or be unhelpful to others in their God-given purposes, then we need to think about it, don't we? And we don't want to miss out also on what God's calling us to. So we do need to think about it. Hence, we can look at the online thing or we can spend some time with some wise friends praying through it or we can simply ask God ourselves and talk to him about it and listen to what he has to say. Um, So what are these five things? We're going to have a little look at them. I've just literally blatantly copied, so um, all credit to the website, I've copied their definitions. Can we skip on, Naomi, to the first one? So the five ministries that we're talking about, the five ways that people around us or ourselves um, might 
uh, primarily minister. Although we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have lots of these things within us, and we might occasionally minister in all of these ways. Um, but anyway, so apostle is one of them. So if you have come out as an apostle, on the, on the website, this is their definition. People who score highest with an apost- uh, apostolic sorry, dr- position are dream awakeners in the kingdom of God. They awaken people to their God-designed potential. They are instrumental in people discovering who they really are and walking alongside them to get there. They forge new paths in the kingdom and are a catalyst for change wherever they go. So I, uh, they've done these definitions, but I've picked these pictures. Um, sometimes they're not always quite what I wanted, but it's the best clip art could offer. But these pictures represent a little bit to me what I see an apostle as. They're the person, the purple person, going, come on, guys, I see the vision. It's over here. I know I can feel God's call. You know, I can see what there is that we could be. I can see where we're going. Come this way. Um, there's a leadership in that. And, and they're the visionaries and the strategic people. And they're the people that excite people about God's plan. And uh, you can see in the other one where they're stood in the middle, you know, and they're, they're the people that, that, yeah, awaken people's dreams in God. So um, that's, if that's you, that's exciting. Might be on a grand scale, might be on a small scale, but it's exciting. Okay, next one is prophet Dawn. <laughs> Dawn, Dawn is a heart revealer. Yeah, sure. Okay, um, if you have a look on the website, there's a lot more scriptures referenced than we could look through here. Um, I don't think the definitions fully encompass it, but nothing we could say would ever fully quite capture it. And anyway, we're all a, we've all got a mix of all kinds of things in the mix. We're really just using this as a sort of tool to help us. And if it inspires us to see where God is calling us, then that's good and helpful. So I agree, it doesn't always fully encompass it. Um, but, it but if you want the scripture references, there are many more on the website. Okay. Um, I just, we couldn't stop and look at them all now. Um, so prophets, uh, we see, I mean, you can think in, in scripture of prophets, you know, in scripture, if you, if you know um, Old Testament stories and also prophetic people in the, in the New Testament, they are the people, they've called them the heart revealers, but they are the people who hear from God and tell people what they're hear, hearing. And they um, it says they're effective in revealing God's heart. And I think Dawn's definitely effective in that. I think those of us who know her would say that. Um, they can accurately, although they need to be careful not to think they're always going to get this accurately right because they're also human, but they can accurately discern God's heart often for a situation. Um, and they can help people experience God's voice for the very first time. Um, I like that they put that in because I do think we need to be careful when we have these different roles um, Definitely God calls people to certain things, doesn't he? But that doesn't mean they're the only person who's ever going to do this. So God definitely calls people and gives them a a super-duper evangelistic heart. And that is um, fantastic. That doesn't mean the rest of us aren't called to be evangelistic and tell people God's stories and tell them the good news. Okay, It just means that that person has particularly got that passion and can show us the way in that ministry. They can lead us in that ministry. They can excite us in that ministry. They can equip us in that ministry because they've got it on their heart and um, they've got that passion for it and that revelation from God about it. It doesn't mean we don't do it and we're not also called to be evangelistic. And the same with prophecy. There are some people that God gifts in prophecy 
um, in this particular perhaps ministry way. But that's just to be a leader in prophecy perhaps in some way. It isn't that they're the only people who can ever hear God speak. Everyone can hear God speak. Um, but prophets, people called to be prophets, might be the people who might help us to do that, might show us the way in that, might, um, yeah, just kind of be leaders in that ministry, in that area. Does that make sense? So it really doesn't mean that if you're not coming out as a prophet that you're never going to hear God's voice or you can't hear God's voice. That's not what it means. Um, And so I like that they put, they help people to experience God's voice for the very first time because that should be part of a prophetic ministry. Not just, oh, I'm going to hear God's voice and tell you what he's saying. Actually, this is brilliant. Let me show you. Let me sit with you. Let's hear God's voice together. Let me help you where you're struggling to hear God's voice because I love to listen and hear God's voice. It's a passion on my heart. So that's what the person who has this ministry should be. They should be the most... um, the best advert for that ministry, if you like, without being too secular about it. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that they're the only people who do it. Okay, so I've put these three pictures because we've got someone listening. It's quite hard to find a, a female picture listening. Don't know why that is. Um, on clip art, it's full of little boys going, I'm listening. I think it's all about teachers making posters for their classroom, actually. But anyway, um, that's just me. Uh, and uh, a person, you know, we can listen. We can listen because God speaks in the here and now. But also we can sit with our Bible because he speaks through the Bible first and foremost. And so there's another person there sat with their Bible um, asking God uh, for revelation, and, and he provides it through the Bible first and foremost, doesn't he? And they reveal God's heart. God is love as a heart. They reveal his heart. They often feel it quite keenly as well. So if you're a person who feels keenly God's heart for other people, that, that might be a, an inkling of a prophetic ministry in you. Okay, next one. Evangelist, which is all of us, but as I said, but some people are called specifically to lead in this. Um, and they particularly have that passion. So uh, those of you that scored highest with an evangelist position are storytellers, they say. I quite like that. Um, I quite like that definition because you're the ones who tell the story of God, who tell his good news story, first and foremost, but also the other stories. The, did you know he just did this for this person over here? Did you know he changed my life in this way? They are those people who... um, Yeah, make the stories of Jesus' remarkable goodness and love famous, as it says. They're the carriers of the the good news, and and they really love people's transformation as they come to Christ. They stir curiosity when they talk to people, whether that's on a one-to-one scale or to a whole room full of people like Billy Graham in the corner there. Um, But... It doesn't, and that's again, that's it. You, you might be an evangelist. It doesn't mean, don't panic. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to speak to thousands in auditoriums like Billy Graham. It might do, and God will give you that provision, and he will make the way if that's what he's calling you to do, if that's what he's purposed for you. But that's up to him. You don't have to panic. It might be that you're just going to be really good in individual conversations at telling God's story, stirring curiosity, and um, invoking that desire to know Jesus. And it says their life, what a challenge, I wish mine was. Their life is a living invitation to all to join the family of God. See, we all want that, don't we? We don't, you know, we don't exclude ourselves if we didn't come out as evangelists first and foremost. Okay, um, so they're shouting the good news and the lady in the corner is like, hi, come on in. They're also the people that are like, you know, come on in. Um, but some of us in the top corner might be called around the world to go and tell good news. So that also includes missionaries and things like that. So it's a whole spread of things if you're an evangelist. It's not, there's not one sort of niche. Okay, next one. 
pastor. Now, on the website, they say people who score highest with a pastoral position are soul healers. I think um, they're carers, aren't they? They're, they've got the shepherd heart, hence the picture. Sorry, it's a little bit childish. Couldn't find a decent one that wasn't. Um, and it was late at night. Um, but... Uh, they're the, they're the shepherds of the flock. They're the people who draw people in, who care about people not being excluded, who care about people's brokenness deeply and want to see them brought to healing and know how to help them make those steps, know how to disciple them. So there's that discipleship kind of gift in there often. Um, they create the atmosphere of family and belonging and they bring fun and enjoyment to God's ministry and allow people to feel like they're part of a greater family. They're the ones that go off looking for the one lost sheep and bring him back in because they miss him or her. Um, like in the story of the lost sheep that Jesus told. They're the ones that make every type of person, like in that little funny clip art at the bottom, every type of person feel included no matter what because they have God's heart for people's heart. Um, and they're the one who, ones who create family amongst the people of God. Okay, next one. I came out as teacher. No pressure. <laughs> um, people who score highest with a teaching position are light givers in the kingdom of God. They make the truth and knowledge about God accessible to all. Not sure if I'm achieving that this morning, but... Um, that's what they do. They have an ability for breaking confusion and misinformation. They're strategic in helping people know the truth of God and also how it applies to their own life. I'm not sure that needs further explanation, but um, you know that again, that might be in different, very different contexts. It might be in this context, or it might be look in the bottom corner, just one to one with someone. You might be a teacher, but you might be a, a quiet, calm. Uh, introvert teacher who doesn't like big crowds. That's great. That's you sat alongside someone revealing God's truth to them one-to-one -one from his word. It doesn't mean you have to stand up and be a teacher to loads of people, um, but maybe it does. It doesn't mean you have to teach, you know, in a church context, there's a primary teacher in the corner there. Um, that's what I do in my other life. Um, and that is also God's gift because that's God's gift to the outer world. And you can bring God's truth in the classroom just as you can in, in church or in a friendship. So again, very different context potentially for our ministry in that gift or that, or that, yeah, that, minute, that role in us. Um, it applies differently and uniquely to each of us. So we have the, the apostles, the pioneers, the overseers of God's people and God's strategic vision. And we have the prophets who listen and feel God's heart. And we have the evangelists who tell and captivate people um, with God's uh, wonderful good news. And we have the pastors who care and guide and minister um, to brokenness in people and bring them into the family. And we have teachers who understand, um, within their limitations, understand God's truth and communicate it. And we need all of those things, don't we? We need all of those things. Maybe you know what you are already. Maybe you've done the quiz already, or maybe you haven't. But when you do begin to think you know, whether that's through doing the quiz or whether you sit down with a friend or you simply just pray and talk to God about it, um, none of that is really as important as Julia's pointed out. It's not really, the, we're not into navel gazing. It's not really the be all and end all of, you know, we've got to find. More importantly, God, what are you calling me to do and to be? right here, right now. That's what we need to consider. And are we living a life worthy of that calling? Let's look at our lives. Let's not look at our navels. 
Um, let's look at our lives and our attitudes and our hearts and consider if they are worthy of the calling God's placed on us and the gifts that he's kindly and graciously given us undeservingly and see if they are worthy of that of that because that is way more important um, than gazing at our navel and quite deciding quite what we are or this that or the other um, because dauntingly God does care that we don't squander what we've been given and that is daunting because he's God and we mustn't forget how awesome and holy um, he is. If you think about the, the pearls to pig reference in Matthew 7 verse 6 when he says, don't squander your, give your pearls to pigs. Um, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 to 30, where he tells, Jesus tells the story of um, there was a guy and he gave a certain amount of money to each of his, um, I think it's servants, not friends in that one, isn't it? But whoever it was, servants, he gives uh, some, he gives 10 to one, five to another, and just two to another one. And he goes away for a while and he leaves it with them. Um, and then he comes back to see what they've done with it. And the one with 10 has gone out and invested it and made 10 more. And the one with five has gone out and invested it and made five more. And the one with two said, I was really scared because like, basically you're really scary. And so I just hid it in the ground and did nothing with it. And quite dauntingly and kind of harshly in a way, but importantly, that person has theirs taken away. You did nothing with it. And that is more important to God He's, he's more passionate about that and those that, than anything else. And those that had five and ten, he doesn't go, oh, good, you made ten. That's even better than the one who made five. There's no mention of that. He, he is passionate about the fact that the person wasted what they were given and did nothing with it. And he is thrilled that the people who had something did something with it because God is, is the person giving the money, obviously, in that story. And those are the key points that come out. He makes no mention of five or ten, whether that matters. doesn't matter. It's did you waste it and do nothing, or did you do your best to do something with it? And that's I think, applies here, doesn't it? Do you, are we wasting what we've been given, uh, or too scared and just burying it in the ground and going, yeah, well, I know I've got you know, that inside me a little bit, but you know, God's scary, and what if I get it wrong? And oh, it's best to just do nothing, and then I won't get it wrong. Actually, that's more wrong in God's eyes um, than... Uh, us being willing to minister in the way that he calls us to minister and doing our, our best. He knows we'll mess up. He knows we'll fail. He's made provision for that gloriously in his grace and mercy through the cross. So he, we've got grace for when we mess up. Um, and he's the one in control. He doesn't need us to help him work his purposes out. It's not like he needs us. So we don't have to worry that we're going to mess up things for him. Crumbs as if we could. However, he does care if we do nothing. And we will be held accountable, and that's kind of scary too. Um, there's also the, the reference in 1 Corinthians, Paul again is writing, I think, in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 to 15, if you want to find it, where it talks about will we arrive in heaven with treasure stored up and a reward waiting for us, or only as one escaping through the flames? I.e., we've stored nothing up, we've done nothing. Our salvation doesn't depend on us doing any of this. That's what that verse tells us in 1 Corinthians 3. Our salvation doesn't... We still get to heaven. That's God's gift through Jesus. We still get to go, but we either get to arrive gloriously with a reward, with a father who's thrilled that we took our five and we made another five, or we get to kind of just get in <gasps> through the flames because we got nothing, because we did nothing with it. 
We'll still get there because that's his gift. That's not something we can earn. We can't earn it by doing this stuff. We can't earn our way in. We're saved by his grace, as all of these scriptures point to. But he does care about what we do or don't do. So why does he care? Why does he care so deeply about it? Why is he urging us to live this life worthy of our calling? Well, firstly, for the church. That's the obvious um, reason. Because he's working towards us gloriously displaying the whole of Christ to the universe. But also, secondly, really graciously, individually for our good. Because he cares about us individually. It's for our good as well. And that's when we come to verse 14. So when verse 14 in Ephesians 4, sorry, back in Ephesians 4, our passage, verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It will make a difference to us if we live in our calling, not just to the whole church, because we'll no longer be tossed about. I don't know whether uh, you feel tossed about ever. I definitely sometimes feel tossed about by the waves of life, by the waves of different viewpoints, by the waves of all kinds of distractions. I get tossed about. And it's awful to feel like that, actually. When you really seriously feel like that, it's awful. It's a horrible way to be. Do you want a way not to feel like that? Do you want a way out of that experience of being buffeted around all the time and never quite knowing which way is up? A way for the truth to become clear, for your circumstances not to throw you, and for your heart to know, you know that real secure peace? Then this passage says, live in your calling, and that actually somehow helps that in us. Because if we live in our calling, in our ministry, then we'll no longer be tossed around. If everyone around us is living in their calling and ministry as well and helping us with all these things, helping us with our evangelism and our prophecy, and our, then actually we won't be tossed around by everything that happens. Because you need an apostle leading you and exciting you in God's purposes to stop you being tossed by the latest fad that's false. You need a prophet to reveal God's heart to you so that you're encouraged and the waves don't overwhelm you when they come. You need an evangelist to remind you of the good news when things distract you to look at other, other places. You need a pastor to help you find shelter when the waves do threaten to take their toll on you or they have taken their toll on you. You need a teacher to shed light on the truth so it sets you free from the whole storm and the waves and the deceitfulness of man referenced here. It doesn't just mean man, obviously. Um, ladies also, sadly, included. Um, and I need those things too. God knows that we need them. We need them to complete the journey that he's given us. He embodied them all in Jesus, and we who have Jesus living in us, we only reflect poorly his image at the moment, so we need all of us to bring all of our little bits of that reflection and to minister in all those different ways he's put in us so that we can reach maturity. Maturity is an interesting thing, isn't it? When something reaches maturity, there's a sense in which it has become all it's intended to be. So my husband is into wine. Don't take that the wrong way. He, it's actually a hobby, an interest. He loves learning about the different Appalachians. Don't even ask me what that is. Somewhere where they grow wine, like the areas. He, he knows all about the different climates and how that affects the grapes and the different grapes and what, how that affects the flavor and the different mixes. He likes to know all about it. But there's the thing in wine... Um, knowledge, uh, that you mustn't drink certain wines too soon um, or you will miss everything it would have been if it was allowed to mature for longer. Okay, I don't really know about that, but he knows about that, and uh, that is a thing. Um, and it's true in the plant and animal world, isn't it? If, um, 
if an animal or plant is very young and immature, they can't either easily withstand sort of storms or threats from other animals or whatever, predators, until maturity has equipped them with what they need. So until the sapling has become mature into a thicker, stronger tree, it can't withstand necessarily the storms until the uh, baby, whatever, has been equipped with some maturity and experience. It's not equipped to cope with the predator, so it has to be protected or whatever. Until we reach maturity, we can't easily withstand threats and storms. Sadly, um, three of my close friends, when I was younger, died when we were, well, one at 15 years old, when we were 15, one when we were 22, and one when we were 23 years old, in separate accidents. Um, and so I've been to a, probably an inordinate number of funerals of people who were young. And when someone dies young like that, there's such, there's such a sense that um, something's been missed because they never reached maturity we and they never saw or experienced the full extent of who they could have been or who they could have become. And we speak about their lives being cut short, don't we? Um, and I think that applies here. Though it's, I mean, because maturity is referenced here, isn't it? That's what this gives us. These ministries bring us to maturity. And though it scares me um, and it exhausts me and it's by far the harder path, I don't want my spirit or my church body, our church body, the church body around me, to be cut short in that way, as it were, because I didn't live a life worthy of my calling. And so although it will take you know, difficult decisions, my time, my energy, some sacrifice perhaps, and though I will doubtless mess up and miss out and fail miserably along the way now and then, um, I will still keep trying to live in my calling, whatever daily that might be, and unashamedly play the part that God's given me, again, whatever that may be, and not squander it on worthless wastes of time. And also pray that for their sake and mine, everyone around me does the same, because I need all of you all to do the same. Um, so, I'm going to chat in our groups. I'm so sorry, I've gone on and on. Don't get me start, let me start talking, because it's a bad idea. Um, Let's chat in our groups now, and I will stop talking, um, and let's help each other, because that's what we're here for, okay? Let's unashamedly play our part, but also let's unabashedly kind of, like, just love the parts that other people have been given by God. Let's be unenvious and champion those in other people and encourage them, because we all need all of each other, and we're all a different and unique part of the picture. We're all God-given. Um, so let's, uh, in our groups, maybe help people explore and identify their, their ministry and explore what that might mean in their individual situations. Some of us might be evangelists, but where we direct that and where that, how that works in our life will be very different and unique and so on. You get the idea. Um,